0: Well, this morning, I want to just get into the Word of God, and I want to share with you the beat of a thankful heart. The beat of a thankful heart. You know, it's interesting. A lot of, you know, songwriters have wrote, written songs about heart, you know, a, 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 in terms of um, how my love overflows for you. You know, you are the very breath that I breathe in the heart. My every heart is beats for you, and, and oftentimes the heart is described if a person is generous, he said that person has a warm heart, or someone is cold and callous, you know, and sort of like irritable to be around, says, man, you have a cold, callous heart, and oftentimes our heart, people are described by the heart itself, but here it's interesting because in true, our true heartbeat is revealed when out of fear or out of excitement, you know, I don't know how many of you have ever had gone to a house where you thought nobody was there and you opened the door and there's like 20, 30 people just jumped out at you. Anybody ever experienced that before? Yeah, that can be very exhilarating, you know. And then that, depending on the heart, you just like sort totally of do what Fred Sanford do. This looks like the big one. <laughs> but one of the things I want you to understand in this particular message is that if we, if we are born again, if you are born again, We come under the authority of the kingdom of God. And then because we come under the authority of the kingdom of God, we submit ourselves to the principles and the truths of his word. Amen. And so just like the heart that beats, it beats with a rhythm. And you notice that whenever the heart has some problems with the valve or the flow of the heart, of blood to the heart, it causes an irregular beat. And you feel it. It begin to hinder your breathing. It begin to hinder just the things that you do. And so whenever we as believers under the authority of God is living outside of the rhythm of God's beat, His heart for us, then we find our lives out of step. We find ourselves hindered by what God is calling for us to do. And so in Luke chapter 17... Luke 17 reveals to us the story of one man whose heart beat with thanksgiving. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today. And may your your word come alive in our heart. May we have that same rhythm. Give us your heart, O God. A heart that beats for the things that drives you. A heart that loves the way you love. A heart that causes us to see people the way you see people. Father, this is our cry today. This is our desire today that we will have the same heart rhythm that you have for those that are lost. And we submit ourselves to that word and to that truth. And may everything we do today glorify you and you alone. We honor you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The beat of a thankful heart. Jesus Christ came and is the visible image of how we should live. Everything he did, he he did it out in the opening, but he showed us the way to live in the kingdom. So Jesus displayed a heart of thanksgiving. In John chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, let's take a look at it. It says this, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb, and it was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone, take away the stone, and he said, lay against it. And he took the stone and Martha, the sister of the dead man, said unto him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have always heard me. I thank you, Father, I thank you that you Always hear me and that you hear me now. A second verse that reveals to us that Jesus is, uh, she'll display thankfulness, is found in John chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. John chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, so also the fish. And as much as they wanted, and when he had eaten When they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up what was left of fragments that nothing may be lost. And you see Jesus praying at the tomb site of Lazarus, and you see him breaking the bread and giving him thanks. I want to share something with you this morning that many times if we don't have a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving, we're going to miss God's blessings and the small things that he does for us. I remember when I went to Africa for the first time in 2005, and I was not at all ready for what God was getting ready to reveal to me. I stepped off the plane and had an emotional breakdown because of just the sights and sounds of being in in Kenya, much less being in Africa. And after that first day of driving through the city of Kenya, I couldn't sleep that night. I stared at the ceiling, and the Holy Spirit just began to flood my heart and my mind about Every time I complained about something, every time I was not thankful to God about the things that he had given me, and he reminded me over and over again how blessed I was and how grateful I should be. And boy, I tell you what, it was what I call a divine beatdown. (laughs) And it's almost like our culture is moving away from just the very attitude of thankfulness. And it's almost like our culture is saying we're only going to acknowledge that you should be grateful and thankful on one day out of the year. The rest of the day, just be a snob and just be rude to people. But that cannot be the life of a believer. The life of as a believer under the kingdom of God, we're, God says the very rhythm of your heart should be thankful. You should be, have a heart of gratefulness for what God has already done. Well, let's take a look at Luke chapter 17 and see this one man among ten, and what he did. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19, it says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And he lifted up his voice saying, they lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. I want you to see this again. As they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when they saw, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said unto him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. In one version it says, Your faith has made you whole. Now the first thing I want you to understand about this story, the first principle we want to pull out is that a thankful heart beats for those who are without. A thankful heart beats for those who are without. Now, Jesus did something no good Jew would ever do. First of all, the Bible says that he went to Samaria. Look at verse 11 and 12. It says this, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. So here he is, Jesus being Jewish, did something, no other Jew. He went to Samaria. Now, the interesting thing about the Samaritans is that they were considered un- an unholy people. By the Jewish people, they, had no, they didn't want to have any interaction with them. Even Jesus went down to Samaria, the woman at the well, you know, he asked for a drink of water. and She said, how is it that you being a Jew asked me, a Samaritan, for some water? Seeing as that we don't have any connection with each other or any dealing socially. So Jesus did something that the Jews would never do to pass through that city. Not only did he pass through a city with unholy people, but he was also confronted with 10 men who were unclean. And Jesus being a picture of having a heart of thanksgiving, he went where most Jews wouldn't go and involve himself in things with people he would not involve himself with. Well, let's take a look at the Scripture. It says, again, on the way to Jerusalem, we see he went to a place called Samaria of Galilee, and then he was confronted by ten lepers. The point I want to make here is that the thankful heart beats with a gratefulness for what God has done for them and realizes no one is beyond the boundaries of God's love and power. When I understand what God has done for me, it drives me to the point to where he, he motivates me to go to places ordinarily I would not go. Every day, when, Every Sunday when Miss Tina gets up here and begins to talk about going to Alabama or going to Texas, you see, the thing we understand, what drives us is that heart of thanksgiving. Lord, this could be us. Lord, this could be me. And literally, geographically, where we're living, we hope never it would ever be us, but one day it might be us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We live in South Louisiana. We're surrounded by a lot of water. And it's only by the grace of God that this has not happened to us at the level we've seen in Texas. But when we are grateful, when our very heartbeat beats the rhythm of being thankful, we are motivated by God and we listen, we submit. When God says to go, we go. Because a heart of thanksgiving touches people that normal people would not touch. A thankful heart causes you to go places you normally don't want to go. Because in going, you see God's blessing. And in touching, they are changed by the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? I want you to take a look at Mark chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. It says this, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them, verse 14, And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, "...sitting at the tax booth. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples... Why does this man eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who have no need of a physician, but those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinner's. Because Jesus became the model and the, print and, and, and the picture of a heart that beats with things. He constantly put himself in places where religious leaders felt he should never go and never be. That was the dividing line between a life that understands the gratefulness and submit to Christ and a life that is going through basic religious principles or religi- li- being religious. Because you and I, if we're going to win this world over... They don't need to see, they don't need to hear a sermon, they need to see a sermon. See, people don't know, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You see, sometimes it is only in the giving of the bread. It is in the frying of the fish, or the making of the jambalaya. Amen, Mr. Jimmy? Or the frying of the hamburger. I experienced that during the pumpkin patch. That was the first, and believe it or not, thank you, Miss Tina, for violating, you know, for volunteering me. <laughs> that didn't come out right. And it was it. it, it was it. That was the first time I actually flipped hamburgers on a grill. Yes. Uh, it was very interesting. I learned people ain't patient when they're hungry. I said, where's the gratitude? The brother over here flipping hamburgers, smoke everywhere, man. I'm doing close. Like, oh, What motivates us to leave our family for four and five days and to go and sleep on cots? What motivates us to walk in flooded homes that is surrounded with mold and mildew and help somebody, a total stranger, that we don't even know and tear at all this stuff at the risk of our own lives? See, we understand when, we, when our heart beats for Thanksgiving, we are motivated to do that because we understand it is the thing that drives us because it drove Jesus. We love the unlovable, and we touch the untouchable, and we reach the unreachable. That's how we change the world, church. When we demonstrate a heart that understands, God, if it wasn't for what you've done for me, I could be the man under the interstate. I, you could be the woman on the, on the corner selling your body, were it not for Jesus Christ. So, Tina, don't ever stop crying. <laughs> We can't, we're under a different mandate. Luke chapter 19, verse 5 through 10, it says this, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner? <coughs> Excuse me. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, today salvation has come to your house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Our mission is to seek and to save that which is lost. We're driven by evangelism. We're driven by finding those who are in the darkness and bring the light. We are driven to where the voice of God is seldom heard, bring bring his voice the loudest, and we're driven to where the darkness is greatest, bring the light to push the darkness back. That's what drives us as believers. Because of our heart. Number two, the thankful heart beats with a faith that things can change. A thankful heart beats with a faith that things can change. Go back to the verse uh, verse 12 through uh, 14. It says, and when he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And he lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were healed. Now, I want you to see this. This is radically different than all the other stories of Jesus dealing with a leper. Now remember, Jesus didn't have a problem with touching these guys. You see, the reason why Jesus was able To constantly touch those who were infirmed in in infirmity and why he was able to go and sit among those who the religious leaders wouldn't sit. And here's what I believe. God reveals something to me. He says, in touching you, I will never have to worry about becoming like you. But by touching you, you become like me. Did you just hear that? So he came down. In the filth of humanity, in the worst possible situation the Jewish people find themselves in, Degradated, degradation, mistreated by the, the Roman government, sold out by some of their Jewish brothers, And their land and home had been invaded. Jesus came at the worst possible moment in Jewish history, but it was the greatest opportunity for him to come because he would demonstrate something that was so radically different that people had to take notice. I'm a firm believer that God sends you and I to the worst possible situation, to the worst possible people, because there is something he wants to demonstrate to them through you. So here he is. Sitting at a man, little bitty short guy, how dare you, Jesus, sit with this sinner? Wow. How dare you sit with this man? And yet at the same time, because of his love, because of his love, this man's life was radically changed. But here's what he says. Jesus told these men, go And show yourself to the priest. They cried out, Master, heal us. Now, I don't know if they had ever cried out. They cried out simply because someone who had lepers, who was leprous before Jesus laid hands on them. They may have gotten a word. But I want you to see this. Here they are, 10 of them screaming at Jesus, heal us. And they're waiting, anticipating a touch. And Jesus stands there and looks at this. Go show yourself to the priest. Did you get that? You see, sometimes sometimes God will bring a miracle to you in a way you never expected it to come and from people you never thought he was coming from. They were probably waiting for a touch, but they got a word. And sometimes a word is all that you need. (laughs) sometimes a word is all that you need God says I have given you my word and here's the bottom line if you learn to trust in rely on and stand on my word and my truth you will see it as you manifest the obedience in that word so he says master heal us Jesus said go show yourself to the priest and then the bible said that they walked they had faith you see the second point is that a thankful heart beats with. Faith that things can change. When they realized that Jesus was not going to touch them, they moved by faith and says, okay, we're going to show ourselves to the priest. And the Bible says as they were going, stuff started happening. You need to see this. As they were going, one of the guys noticed a hand got hold. Like, whoa, whoa, guys, look. One of the guys noticed his leg got, guys, look. And they're like, take another step. Come on, keep going. And the more they walk, the more they saw the manifestation, they're like, this is amazing. Man, I don't know about you, but I think I would walk a little faster. If I still have one. matter of fact, walking, man, about that time, what, uh, four, five, nine in the 40, I would be sprinting at this time because I'm trying to speed this healing thing up. And the Bible says that as they walked. They will heal. What are you saying? You see, a thankful heart beats with the faith that things can change. You see, here's what I want you to understand. Because God did it in the past for you, he can do it again. And it's not based on your faithfulness. It's based on his. See, he's faithful even when we're not. He's faithful even when we're not. See, F- Philippians 4, 6, and 7 talks about this thing, we, this anxiety that we have when things start going haywire. Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. An uh, old lady told me, said, if you're going to pray, don't worry. If you're going to worry, don't pray. You know, no truer words have been spoken by someone of that age. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then what? Do what? Thank him for all he has already done. Tell him what you need, but thank him for what he's done. Tell him what you need, but thank him for what he's already done. Lord, because you've done this, you can do that. This is because of that. And you will experience what? God's peace, which exceeds Anything we can understand with his peace or his peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Look at that again. It says, and his peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ. Here's the picture. I love world pictures. How many of you guys have ever seen the changing of the guards? For me, for Here is this guy standing as a sentry guard, and he's got this gun. I don't know if it's right hand or left hand. I don't know. I've never been to England. don't really matter left side okay he's he's standing here and he's standing on guard and that's a military picture that Paul is giving us that when uh, a soldier is standing at his post he's saying you don't have if you don't have access legal a- access to you're not getting in i'm not going to let you the purpose of my position here is to only allow what is legal to enter in Look at what the scripture is saying. It says, his peace will guard your heart and mind as you live, where? In Christ. So God's peace stands as a guard of your heart and your mind as you live in Christ. In other words, God's peace stands at your mind and says, if it's not legal, you're not getting in. I'm not letting you get worried. You're not getting in. Not this one fear, don't have access. But that only comes when we live a life that is in Christ. And if you don't have a life that's in Christ, I'm sorry, your gate's naked. I don't even know if that's a word, but you get it. (laughs) No one's standing at the gate. Your gate's wide open. Wow. It is with a heart of thanksgiving that we are able to pray and let God know our needs. When we pray, God can do two things. Number one, he can change our circumstances. Has God ever changed any circumstances for you when you pray? Look around. Get your hand up. Get your hand up. Wave at me. Oh, I'm in the right house today. Not only when you pray, God can, do, can change your circumstances. But if he doesn't change it, he will give us peace in those circumstances. My favorite saying, Lord, if you can't change the it that I see, change how I see it. Because sometimes there is a grace that comes with that fire. There is an anointing that comes with God keeping you in the midst of it. And sometimes God will allow you to go right through it. Because in going through it, that fire was never meant to consume you. It's me. It's meant to perfect you. Yeah. Meaning, as soon as I keep walking and come out of it, I will look back where I came from and say, God, thank you for that fire. Because it perfected that thing concerning me inside of you. That's right. That's right. We don't run from it anymore. Our attitude is that, God, I'm grateful for who you are. Because you knew this fire was coming. You knew this trial was coming. And because you allowed me to be in the middle of it, there is something you're doing in me and through me with this. And I will come out as pure gold once I come through this because I, you promised to give me your peace and it will stand guard. If I stay in you, you will guard my heart and mind and I will have no fear. I will have no worry because I'm grateful for what you have already done. When your children flip out, don't you flip out. When they start tripping, don't you start tripping. Matter of fact, we are most strongest when we're on our knees praying before God. I have a simple saying, Satan, if you don't want me to fall on my knees and go put the word on you, don't touch my family. Because every time you do what you do, you're going to make me do what I do. and You know you can't win. And God promised me I can't lose with the stuff he used. I know some of y'all remember that with Reverend Ike. (laughs) When we pray, two things happen. He changes our circumstances. He gives us his peace in our circumstances. Number three, the thankful heart beats for the giver and not just for the gift. A thankful heart. (laughs) I remember... (laughs) <laughs> I remember when we were little, and we used to always walk by the Christmas tree, and we seen all these gifts. I mean, just like, man, we couldn't wait till Christmas. And on the 24th, we would lay down and go to sleep while well, we tried to sleep. And we had one eye open, one closed. And we knew we couldn't touch the gifts until everybody got up. And, it, and this was the part I hated. We could not touch the gift until we, we prayed. Daddy had to read the, the Christmas story. He had to do communion. Oh my God! He had to pray over all ten kids. Then he was speaking in tongues. I'm like, man, can you speed this up? Oh my goodness! You know, just give me a hundred times of both time. We done. They <laughs> done already. And I, I'm tempted to be. Honest, I, I was in spiritual at Christmas time. I had one eye closed on Jesus, another eye on that present. And so when it was time to go, man, we ripping the presents open. Oh, this is awesome! It's Awesome! But this man was given an incredible gift. For the first time in his life, he can go and be with his family. He would be able to now be a function, a functional part of society. And they went and, went and like, man, this is going to be great. But one man stopped in his tracks. And he said, I've been given an incredible gift, but the emphasis is not the gift, but who gave it to me? It says, the thankful heart beats for the giver, not just the gift. Look at uh, verse 15 and 16. It says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, what did he do? He turned back. And what did he do? He began praising God with what kind of voice? <laughs> that cert- are certain churches you go to, and I always tell people about us. You see, we talk back to the preacher. I don't know how many of you have ever been in a theater with us. We talk to the people on the screen. Oh, no, you didn't, as if they heard what we just said. I know you better tell him something. The Bible says he came with a loud voice. Think about this. Think about your body is rottening. It stinks. And all of a sudden, everything is changed. You're not going to run. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for you've been so good to me. I've got the activity of my hands and my limbs. No, 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 no. Can I really tell you what he was doing? He ran and said, Father, I want to thank you. Yes, for healing me. You gave me the activity of my limbs, Jesus. I want to thank you for what you've done. You've been better to me than I've been to myself. Hallelujah! Y'all been enjoying that? You will see this? <laughs> that boy probably had revival and just, and just felt to be, Lord Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. And I believe everybody in the neighborhood heard her and were like, whoa, there he goes. (laughs) The Bible said he began to worship with a loud voice. Can I tell you why people come in here and amazed at why you raise your hand? Can I tell you why you worship the way you do? Because you're grateful. That's why you lift your hands. That's why you worship. That's why you say thank you, Jesus. I, it doesn't matter who's up here preaching, because when the word of truth comes, you're grateful because it, it was the word that brought that cleansed you. It was the word that healed your marriage. It was the word that brought your children back home. And so you can't help but give God a praise when it's time to give him a praise. Hallelujah. You need to give him a praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are so good. God is so good. Hallelujah. God is so good. So we thank God for the giver, not just the gift. In James chapter 1, verse 16 through 18, it says, So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us the true word, and we, out of of all creation, become his prized possession. So we thank him for life itself. Thank you, God, for your son. For one man, his thoughts were on the giver of the gift, not just the gift itself. He had to get back to Jesus, the giver, and give him thanks. For this man, the healing was a God thing and had to give glory to the giver. Think about this. Everything you have become, everything that you have, is a God thing. And that's why we give him praise. You see, I don't go to church because it is my quote, Christian thing to do. I go to church because I'm collectively among believers who understand who God is, what God has done. And so when I come, I love to hear the jubilant praise of God's people because with me and my wife and then you and your spouse and children, I get to hear the intensity of your worship and the giver of your praise to the giver of your life. That's why I come. I love this, that time of worship. So for this man, he came to give praise to the giver, not just to the gift. And then finally, a thankful heart beats with thanksgiving. And then more is given. A thankful heart beats with thanksgiving, and then more is given in return. Look at Luke chapter 17, and just go back there, and let's look at Luke, at the verse 17 through 19. Then Jesus answered, where were there not ten? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Notice how he reveals this man. He reveals him as a foreigner. And he said unto him, arise and go your way. Your faith has made you completely well, completely whole. Not I believe, not only did this man receive a physical healing, but I also believe that that man received a healing within his soul. I believe God gave him an uncommon favor. The scripture doesn't say it, but you just got to know God is a perfecter and God, is, God does a complete work. I believe everything that that man had lost because of the healing, God was getting ready to restore even greater to him because he dared to do something that the other nine would not do. So you can't follow the crop. If God is showing you what he's doing, give him praise and give him thanks. And when you do, he says this. There will be more. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 through 12, it says, Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be what? Generous. And when we take take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Notice what he says. When you are blessed, you take the gifts to those who don't have. And then by doing so, they will thank God as well. So two good things will result. From this ministry of giving, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Do you see the more here? What you've just done by demonstrating a heart of thanksgiving and and being able to go and touch those who normally would not be touched, you allow them to acknowledge the God who has always been trying to get their attention. They look at you and go like, God, I thank you. These people don't know me, but it was only by your grace that they responded. So we thank you. Finally, Jeremiah 30, verse 18 through 20, it talks about the restoration of Israel. And I want you to see this. This is what the Lord says. When I bring Israel home again from captivity and restore their fortunes, Jerusalem will be rebuilt on its ruins and the place reconstructed as before. Now watch this. There will be joy and songs of what? Thanksgiving. And I will, here it is, the over and above, I will multiply my people, not diminish them. I will honor them, not despise them. That children will prosper as they did long ago. And I will establish them as a nation before me. And I will punish anyone who hurts them. Do you see what God does to, for a person whose heart beats for thanksgiving? He says, when you show thanks and gratitude for what I've done, more comes in return. A very interesting man named Cicero, who was a poet and a writer during the time of the Roman government, he says, a thankful heart is not only the greatest virtue, but the parent of of all other virtues. Whatever virtue you can think of that one would try to possess, the one parent virtue is a heart that knows how to beat with thanksgiving. I want you to stand to your feet. Father, we thank you. May we always be reminded, not just on one day out of the year, but every day we arise and we say, Father, thank you for life. I thank you for family. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sins. Father, I could have been the man under the interstate. I could have been the child that was homeless or strung out on drugs. But by your grace, I understand I am who I am because of you. This morning, if there's any one of you in here this morning, and you have never came back to acknowledge the giver of the gift of salvation. You've never come down to these aisles, and you've never given him an opportunity to say thank you by giving your life to him and submitting your life to him. I want to give you that opportunity this morning as every eye is closed and every head is bowed, and I want you to pray. We're almost done. If you're in this building this morning, and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you that invitation now. All over this building, I would like to open these altars up. Today is when you present your life as a gift to the giver of life. And say, today I want to make that choice. Lord, I want to be saved. If that's you, won't you come at this time very quickly. If that's you, won't you come at this time. I've never given, you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, but today you understand that the the grace has now been displayed to you and you want to make that choice. I want you to come very quickly. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else? Continue praying. Jesus asked the question, were there 10 of you? Where are the other nine? That one guy did not wait for the other nine to come back. He made the choice because he said, you know what? I understand what you've done for me. You've given me life. So with that, I'm going to give you my life. Is there another? Is there another? Is there another? I want you to stretch forth in your hand as we pray for this young man. Amen. I want you guys to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Lord Jesus, I thank you. That you, died for me on the cross, that you died for me on the cross that I can be saved, that I can be saved. today, today I, acknowledge I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. I have violated your, law, I violated your law and have offended you with my actions but this day, but this day I come humbly before you humbly asking humbly you humbly asking humbly to forgive humbly me, humbly me, humbly of, me my sin. Sin. of my sin cleanse my heart and my mind I surrender all to you this day this day before this whole church I confess you as my Lord and my Savior help me to live my life for you Jesus I believe that you was raised from the dead and because of your resurrection and your death I'll now have life I accept that life in Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you guys.